Good morning, Mercy Culture. So good to see everybody here this crisp Sunday morning. And uh, I was praying early this morning, Lord, let it be warm in the tent. Thank God for heaters. We're here today. It's so good to see everybody's smiling face this morning. My name is Les. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Culture Waco, where we love God, we love people, and we love mercy. And the vision of Mercy Culture Church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And what that means is it's never been our goal to only have wonderful corporate experiences in worship and corporate encounters with the Lord. But man, did we encounter God this morning. And we're just getting started. But it's always been the vision of our church to take these moments that we encounter God's presence and taste his glory and presence and that translate into a relationship with him where we can meet with the Lord every day of our lives. Because I know one thing. I know that if we can hear the Lord and we can have the faith to do what he says for us to do, then we cannot fail. And the only way to have a sustainable, long-lasting relationship with God is to encounter him every day, to get into his presence every day. And we want to help you discover how you best connect with God. And we do that through a process that we call MC Connect. And MC Connect is the first step in you joining and becoming a part of Mercy Culture Church and learning about our vision, learning about our values and our leadership standards and characteristics, but it is most importantly the way in which we disciple people into daily encounters with the Lord. We know that there is one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. But in Jesus, there are many ways to connect with the Lord. And some of you connect with God through movement and some through solitude. And there's so many different ways that we can connect with God. And we want to help you discover that and then develop with you your daily encounter plan give you a guide to help you uh, to encounter the Lord every day of your life. So if you want to learn more about our church and learn how you connect with God, just text the word CONNECT to 59090. So we, uh, we are not, I want to just make this announcement, this coming Christmas Eve, as we continue to do construction on our permanent home, which is not this tent. Can I get a good amen? Just right out those doors, there's a building, and that building we're currently working on and remodeling right now. And so as we're in the middle of that, we will not be having a Christmas Eve service here in Waco this year. You are invited to join us at our Fort Worth campus, which you can join us. I think Christmas Eve service is at 3 p.m. This Christmas Eve, it'll be a beautiful service. And the day after that is Sunday. Sunday is Christmas Day. And every year, the last Sunday of the year, we give to the Lord as a Sabbath Sunday. And we just take a moment and we pause, we reflect, and we rest. So our staff, our leadership is given a moment to rest, and we, we actually spend a great deal of time and energy and resources into developing and creating for you an online encounter with the Lord that is excellent and that you will experience the presence of the Lord. We filmed it a few weeks ago, and I promise you, God is going to meet you in your home. So you can go on Christmas Day. It'll be uploaded at any time. You can watch at mercyculturewaco.com. And I invite you guys, get in your Christmas pajamas, light a fire, because it's going to be cold on Christmas. I said, God knew what he was doing, because I did not want to be rolling up in here in 19-degree weather <laughs> trying to have church. Clay has been helping us. He's an engineer, and he's helping us with this heat. And I know he'd be sweating before he came in here and was freezing. So I was so thankful to the Lord that we didn't have to try to heat this place up when it was 12 degrees. So get in your Christmas pajamas, light 
a fire and, and encounter the Lord together with your family. Uh, and then when we come back together, we are having church on January 1st. That's right. Right here, we're going to take that first Sunday of 2023, and we're going to worship God. We're going to give him all that we've got. It's going to be wild. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. And then on January 2nd, two things start. First is our week of solemn assembly. Every year, the first week of the year, we take that week, and we spend from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. every evening, and we worship and pray and intercede. And this year is the first year we get to do it here in Waco. It's going to be awesome. Your children are invited. Bring them into the presence of God. And we, it is wild. And we just encounter God's presence. We have a prayer focus every night. And we pray and seek the Lord. And there's no telling what God's going to do. That begins on Monday, January 2nd and goes all the way through to Saturday. Then we'll be back here for church on Sunday. That's 7 to 8 p.m. And then I've got a big announcement. Beginning on January the 15th. Somebody say 15th. We are launching two services at Waco. Come on. Our services will be 9 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Gives you more options with your family. Or maybe you just want to double dip. Come in and experience God twice. It's going to be awesome right here January 15th. Can't wait for that. If you'd like to have whatever's in front of me, my notes can be sent to you. Just text the word notes to 59090. And this morning, I'm going to take a moment and teach today on the value of forgiveness. Is it all right if I teach you this morning? I'm going to teach on the value of forgiveness. Take a deep breath. I like to ask this question. Can I pastor you? What are you going to say? No, you're already sitting here. It's kind of not fair, right? I got you trapped. Now, we're going to talk about forgiveness today, and it's not a coincidence that we're talking about forgiveness as we go into Christmas week because some of us are going to be sitting around tables with people that we need to forgive. And maybe by the end of the meal, you didn't know you needed to forgive them at the beginning, but by the end, you realize, I'm going to have to practice the value of forgiveness. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18, begin, beginning in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as, many as seven times? I love this. Peter is talking to Jesus. He says, listen, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive people? You mean as many as seven times? And Jesus responds, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. In other words, there really is no end to how many times you must forgive. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of his debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. 
When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt, and you pleaded with me, and you should not, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Come to ask you a question this morning for all of us. Are you merciful? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your presence is already in this room this morning. We thank you that your glory has filled this house today. We thank you that you've encountered us in this tent. And God, Lord, I just pray that you would open our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, that we may receive what it is that the Spirit is saying. Lord, I pray that we would receive forgiveness. We would receive the revelation of true forgiveness. And we would release people from the debt that they owe to us. Lord, I thank you that nobody came here this morning to hear me, but we all came to hear you. Lord, I lay down performance, comparison, and the need to impress, and help me just to share what you once said. We thank you. We love you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been in a year, 2022, the beginning of the year, we released a prophetic word over mercy culture as a whole in all of our campuses. And that 2022 was the year of expanding territory. That it's been a First Chronicles 4.10 year. It says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. That you would enlarge and expand my territory. That you'd put your hand of favor upon me that it might not bring me pain. We've been praying this prayer every day of the year. We've encouraged you to speak this over your family. How many of you have seen territory expanded in your family? Territory expanded in your life. I know my wife and I have. At the beginning of last year, we were on our 40-day fast, and it was coming to the end in February of that fast, and I was asking the Lord, where do you want us to break this fast? We're going to go and receive communion, and I said, Lord, I'm going to go to the building and break it, and he said, no, I want you to break this fast for your family not just for the church. He said, you've already stewarded that. I want you to do it for your family. And so Nikki and I went to just a random piece of property in West, which is just north of Waco. And we've been praying over this area. We've fallen in love with this property for years and been praying into it and asking God and wanting to build our home there. And we went and we took communion in that property and we prayed this prayer and asked God to expand territory. And today we own property in West. A year later, and we're building our home, and God has expanded territory in so many ways in our lives and in so many of your lives. I, I know babies have been born. Thank God I didn't get that anointing. We got five kids, and I'm too old. So we didn't expand territory in that way, but we've expanded territory in others. Some of you have had babies and have career expansion, and spiritually you've grown, but God has been moving, and I want to encourage you. I had a vision from my family that as we counted down the end of the year and into the next year that we would pray this prayer of Jabez over our family. The last moments of this year, believing God to continue to expand territory as we go into 2023. 
And we've been in this series called Expanding Territory Through Heaven's Culture. Because back in April, when we were first launching Mercy Culture Waco, I was praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, in this year, I'm going to establish MC Waco as a force to be reckoned with in this city. And I saw the hand of the Lord laying foundation stones with his own hands. God was laying the foundation, he said, so that in 23 you can run with great vision. And so we've been diving into that and leaning into that word and asking God to establish us. And we've been pouring into leaders. Some of you have risen to heights in your leadership that's just been supernatural. And we've been praying, laying the foundation of our values and our culture. And in this series, and Friday was the last office day of the year for us at Mercy Culture for this year. And, and we've been contending for that building. And we've been praying and believing it's been seven months that we've been contending for a permit to be able to begin construction on that building. And it's been one hurdle after the other. And it's not even been one person's fault. It's not our construction company's fault. It's not the city's fault. It's just been multiple things. We've been praying and contending. And Friday morning in my daily encounter with the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm leaning into patience. That hasn't always been my greatest strength. But I'm leaning into patience. I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to be frustrated. I refuse to be frustrated. And God, I'm standing on your word. And Lord, would you teach us how to find favor? Teach us your ways that we might may that we may find favor with you. And God, release this. And I was just praying, I released it to the Lord. And and then about eight o'clock in the morning, I get a text from one of the owners of the construction company and one of our team members. And he texted me and he said, uh, we officially have a permit. Come on. Hey. And right when, he, when I got that text message after I sent him a couple shouting emojis, then I, well, I just heard the Lord. And he said, it's no coincidence that you receive this permit on the last working day of the year. He said, you've been laying the foundation, and now I'll allow you to build on it. Come on. So I, I can't wait. We're, we're going to get started right away in the building, and, and I'm so excited not only to physically be building, but what God is continuing to build in this house and in this city. And if we're going to build in strength, then we must walk in heaven's values and cultures because it's not our goal to have a big church. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's not our only goal. We want people to come, and we want more and more people to come to the knowledge of the Lord and for the, for the kingdom of heaven to be expand, expanded. And I do believe that God's hand of favor is upon our church, and we will continue to grow. But our goal is that we are a people that encounter the Lord daily, that we walk in the culture of heaven, that we don't just have gifts of the Spirit, but we walk in the fruits of the Spirit. There's a lot of gifted people who are jerks. Amen? Amen. But we want to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. So one of those things and one of the most important things is to walk in the value of forgiveness. And we say it this way at Mercy Culture, it's not optional. Say it's not optional. We love mercy, so we show mercy. Forgiveness is for you, not for them. There is no spiritual growth without forgiveness. You cannot grow in your relationship with the Lord if you are holding on to unforgiveness. Jesus said it in this parable that I just read to you. He paints a picture 
for Peter who said, how many times I got to forgive him? Seven times? He said, wait a second. What have I forgiven you of? He paints this picture of a king who goes to his servant who owes him 10,000 talents, tens of thousands of dollars in our vernacular today. And he goes to him and he says, hey, you owe me thousands of dollars. You pay it back or I'm going to sell you your wife. Thank God they don't do that anymore, right? We complain about, about getting too many calls from the credit card company. What if they knocked on your door and said, I'm here to sell you and your wife and children. Go ahead and load up in the truck. Praise the Lord. They don't do that. He said, I'm going to sell you and your wife and your kids and everything that you own if you don't pay me now. And he fell down to his feet and he asked for mercy. And the Bible says that the king did what? He delivered to him mercy. And then that man had the audacity to walk out of that room. And somebody owed him a hundred bucks and said, would you please have mercy on me? And he said, no. And he sold him off and sent him off to, to debtor's prison because he wouldn't extend the same mercy that was extended to him. And we read that parable and we think, man, I would never do that. But so many of us have been forgiven of so much, but yet we refuse to extend that same forgiveness to others. And part of the problem and part of the reason I would, would suggest to you is that for many of us, we have a bad theology surrounding forgiveness. And I felt the Lord calling me this morning to stand before you as a pastor and to repent to you on behalf of spiritual leaders in your life that may have painted an unhealthy picture of what forgiveness is. Because for, for far too long in many churches around the world, forgiveness has meant to sweep injustices under the rug. It's meant to not rock the boat, to not expose, to not, to not speak out, to not embarrass anyone. It's, some of you have even been counseled to maintain relationship with people who are dangerous and toxic and have caused great pain and real true trauma in your lives. And maybe you've had church leaders counsel you to maintain those relationships. And because of that bad theology... Because of that unwise advice that is not founded in the word of the Lord, some of us have picked up an, an, an unhealthy lie of what forgiveness is. And we have believed a lie that has prevented us from being able to walk in true forgiveness. And so this morning, this week I was praying and I saw a vision that we would be delivered from a spirit of bitterness. And this spirit of bitterness was birthed out of a lie that we have believed of what forgiveness is. And as we dive into the word, the word of God is going to reveal the truth of forgiveness. You'll be delivered from bitterness. And as we are delivered, God is going to physically heal some of you through the deliverance of obedience. So I just want to stand before you this morning as a church leader, as a pastor, as a spiritual father, and tell you that I'm sorry, that I repent on behalf of other leaders that have perverted forgiveness. And before we even get started, I want to pray. So let's just posture our hearts to receive. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, no spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. And God, I pray that you would deliver us 
from bitterness. And I pray right now you would silence the lies of the enemies that would, that would try to distract from the truth this morning. And even before we move forward, God, you would set people free right now from the pain and the hurt of perverted forgiveness. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. Forgiveness and justice are not mutually exclusive. You can forgive and be a justice-driven person. And why do we forgive? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. The Bible tells us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That word there, it is if. Do you know the word if in this scripture? It translates from the Greek to English to mean if. Here we go. It took a minute, but we got it. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if... There's that Greek word again. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must say must forgive so why do we forgive because the bible tells us to you've heard me say this before but there are foolish people when they read the word and find something in the bible that they disagree with they assume that the bible's wrong but when wise people read the word and find something they disagree with they assume that they're wrong and so we around here take the word of god seriously it's not a suggestion it's not a self-help book. It is the word of the living God. And God says to forgive others. It's just that simple. He says to forgive. And we have many biblical examples of forgiveness. We see that the nation of Israel itself was birthed through forgiveness. We see in Genesis chapter 3 the story of Jacob and Esau. The name Jacob means a trickster. And Jacob was a trickster. And he was the second born. And Esau was his older brother who had the birthright. He had the right to receive the blessing of his father and the inheritance. And Jacob conspired with his mother to fool and trick his father into stealing the birthright from Esau. And he lied and he cheated and he stole from him. And what happened? Esau was mad, as you can imagine. The Bible says Esau was bigger and stronger and, and just, just more manly than Jacob. And Jacob was afraid of Esau and knew that Esau could, could beat him up. He was afraid. He was running. And what happened? We see this, this story play out that Esau extended forgiveness to Jacob. And through Esau's willingness or through Jacob's willingness to, to repent and Esau's willingness to forgive, Jacob's name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And he became the beginning of the nation of Israel. And then we see the story of Joseph and his brothers. Some of you know this story. It's a fascinating story if you don't know it. It's also found in Genesis. And Joseph was his father's favorite child. And 
All of his other brothers did not like that. And Joseph was kind of, you know, he kind of was a show off. He showed off just a little bit. And, and uh, he was bragging to his brothers about sort of being the favorite son, but he did it in a passive-aggressive way. He didn't come out looking great in this story. But Joseph's brothers took him and beat him up and put him in a well and sold him into slavery. And you see these, this horrific abuse take place and decades go by of Joseph dealing with one terrible thing after the other. And then when push comes to shove, you see this beautiful story of Joseph extending forgiveness to his brothers. We see it in John chapter 8, the story of the woman caught in adultery that Jesus meets in her lowest point and extends forgiveness to her. We see it in Luke 15 of the parable of the prodigal son that really abused his father and went out into the world and took his inheritance and squandered it. And he came back and his father extended forgiveness to him. We see it in the story of Philemon and Onesimus in the book of Philemon. And Onesimus was the slave of Philemon and he ran away. Some scholars believe he probably stole from him. And then Paul encouraged Onesimus to go back to Philemon and to seek his forgiveness. And church history says that he became the bishop of Ephesus. God birthed great purpose in his life through this act of repentance and forgiveness. And who is forgiveness for? I've got good news and bad news for you. And both of them are the same word. Forgiveness is for everyone. So forgiveness is for that person that hurts you so deeply that you feel like you can't forgive them. Forgiveness is for that person that's going 10 miles under the speed limit in the fast lane. Forgiveness is also for you and for me. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times seven? And Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Jesus is saying you must continue to extend forgiveness. And who is forgiveness for? Well, there are a few categories I want to talk about this morning. First, forgiveness is for the individual. Forgiveness is for the people who have personally hurt you. It's for that individual that has caused pain in your life. It might be a family member. Nobody, it seems like nobody can love you like family and nobody can hurt you like family. It's for that person that really and truly may have abused you. And I think that the word trauma is a bit overused in our society today. Some of us don't get enough Chick-fil-A sauce in our order and we're on social media talking about trauma. I saw a video of a guy who's crying, I mean shaking and crying because he had to work, gasp, an eight-hour shift without a break. And I thought, my God, how did you make it through? Some of us overuse the word trauma, but for some people in this room this morning, there's true trauma that have happened in your life. And individuals have caused this pain to you. And forgiveness is for you, is for that person. And I want to caution you this morning to be careful not to pass on the offense that you have for others, the offense that you have, be careful not to pass it on to others. Because it is much more difficult to forgive a secondhand offense. Have you ever had a friend call you and tell you about another friend that hurt their feelings? I got a better example. This happens often in marriages, especially with newly married couples. 
My wife and I will be married 20 years this next year in November. An amazing 20 years. And, uh, we, and uh, we've had this beautiful relationship. I want to just dispel the lie that the first few years of marriage have to be difficult. They weren't. They were glorious. They still are. But there were some moments, especially when we first got married, there's a little tension. You know, you move in together for the first time. I remember one time I came home from work, and I had stopped off at Taco Bueno because I love me some Taco Bueno. But they changed their beans. Have you noticed that? Anyways, I digress. <laughs> Yankees bought them, and they messed it up. But I, just kidding. Hey, release forgiveness. But I stopped by, I got some Taco Bueno, I'll walk in, I, be, I think we've been married three months, and I come in with just food for myself. Yeah, that's, that was a mistake. I sat down, I'm eating, and my wife was like, what, what is this? I said, what are you talking about? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm eating. She had made dinner. How stupid. Like, really stupid. What's wrong with me? And then I realized, I've made a grave mistake. What have I done? She released forgiveness to me, but after she called her mother. And I had the greatest mother and father-in-law you could ever ask for, really and truly. They've since gone on to be with Jesus, but the greatest in-laws you could ever ask for. And she was wise. Her mother was so wise. And she said, baby, don't call me with arguments with your husband. She said, because I birthed you, I raised you, I love you. If you plant a fence in my heart, you and him are going to get over it. But when I see him at Thanksgiving, I'm still mad. You don't even remember what happened because you're, right? We don't have that relationship. It's a lot harder for me to forgive than for you. She said, so use wisdom. We need to use wisdom and be careful not to pass on our offense to somebody else. Because how do you forgive somebody who didn't hurt you? You're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. And I also want to warn and caution you. When one of your friends comes to you with their unforgiveness and their story, you get to decide if you are available to be a dumping ground or not. See, a lot of us are living in a mental and spiritual garbage heap, and we're blaming everybody else, but yet we put an open sign on our front lawn, and we invited them to back their dump truck up and unload all their garbage onto our front lawn and drive off, and then we're mad at them. You get to decide what you open uh, your ears and your spirit up to. The second group of people that we must extend forgiveness to is public figures. Public figures and other strangers. Just because you don't know someone personally doesn't mean that you don't have to forgive them. And who does that include? Take a deep breath. Politicians. It includes politicians. It includes celebrities. It includes people online. It includes drivers on I-35. It includes all of these people that maybe you don't even know and you're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness towards a, a candidate or a city council member or a president. You're filled with bitterness. If we've seen anything in the last few years, we've seen people be completely overtaken with bitterness towards people they've never met. 
Because we may have this idea that we don't have a responsibility to extend forgiveness to people, even if we don't know them. And third, we must extend cultural and societal forgiveness. Meaning that we have a decision to make if we're going to pick up generational anger. If we're going to decide to take on the identity of all of the isms that we could be angry and walk in unforgiveness toward. The racism, sexism, misogyny, fill in the blank, there's a million of them. We can take on all of these things and we can say, I'm not going to forgive. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to be angry. doesn't mean that we don't seek justice in some areas. and We don't call out injustices. We do. But we have a decision to make. You are not a victim. You have a choice to make. Whether you pick this up and wear it or not. And I want to caution you not to become so attached to your victim status, that holding on to that becomes more valuable to you than walking in freedom. Because the currency of victimhood can become much more valuable than the freedom from hurt. Some of us have gotten identity in our unforgiveness towards a societal injustice. But you, we, still have a responsibility to release and forgive cultures and societies. Now, how do we forgive entire cultures or societies? Well, the first way is through gratitude. Through deciding every day, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to find something to be grateful. I'm going to take responsibility for my own actions. I'm going to acknowledge that my greatest obstacle to success in life isn't the society that I live in. My greatest obstacle is me. That I have to overcome my own flesh, my own areas of weakness. And I'm going to take responsibility for that which I can take responsibility for. And I'm going to release and forgive and walk in gratitude. And how do we do such a thing? Let's go to Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 3. It says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, in the day? Yes, in the day. And turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Man. Whew. That's weighty, right? We must forgive. Even if he turns to us, hurts our feelings, dishonors us seven times in a day, we must forgive. But there are a few things in the scripture I want to point out. It says, if your brother sins, what's the first thing we're to do? Rebuke him. What that means is we don't have to be doormats to walk in forgiveness. You don't have to take abuse and pretend like it didn't happen. The Bible says to rebuke. We rebuke in love. We rebuke with mercy. We rebuke with kindness. But we still rebuke. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day. And then there's a second part. And turns to you seven times saying, I repent. Then you must forgive him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18 beginning in verse 15. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. Somebody say alone. 
When somebody comes to you and they want to share with you the fault that, that their brother did to them, they want to talk to you about some injustice, some, some reason why they're angry, the first question you should ask is, have you spoken to them yet? Have you gone and talked to them? If they say no, you just tell them, hey, follow Matthew 18. Go back to them. Go to him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. In other words, stop talking. If you go to your brother, your sister, you say, you've hurt me. They listen to you. You extend forgiveness to them, and then you stop. You don't continue to spread that unforgiveness to others. And verse 16 says, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So you bring trusted, wise, Holy Spirit-filled people with you, and you confront them together. You say, hey, this is continuing to go on. And then in verse 17, it says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Then you come to your leadership at church. You say, hey, I've gone to them individually. I've taken trusted leaders in my life and confronted, and this issue is still ongoing. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. He says to sever that relationship. So this brings me to the different types of biblical forgiveness. And this is where I believe there has been so much confusion. And I think lies and misinformation surrounding the topic of forgiveness. There are several words in the Bible to describe forgiveness. One Hebrew word is selah. And it means this, to practice forbearance, to pardon or forgive. It is never used of a man forgiving another human, but only of God forgiving man. Another Hebrew word is nasa, and it means to lift up, to take away, to bear up or carry. And this offers a beautiful visual for what God does with our sin and guilt. Then in the New Testament, there are some Greek words, aphaimi, which means to release from legal or moral obligation or consequence, to cancel to remit or to pardon. It can also mean to go away or send away, to disregard or to let be. And then there's another Greek word, kariazomai, and it means to grant as a favor gratuitously in kindness, to pardon or rescue, to deliver or to forgive freely. So there are many different types and words of forgiveness, and I want to talk about three main types of forgiveness this morning. The first is exoneration. And exoneration is the closest to what we consider and define as forgiveness. Exoneration means to wipe the slate completely clean. This is what Jesus does to us. This is what the blood of Jesus has done to us. The Bible says that our sins are as far away as the east is from the west. God has this supernatural ability to take our sins and trespasses against him and to throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. In other words, he has the ability to choose to forget what we've done. And so the Lord forgives us with exoneration. It means to restore the relationship to the full state of innocence that it had before the harmful actions took place. So when should we extend exoneration to others? Exoneration can be extended when there's a genuine accident that is no fault of the other person. Maybe somebody, there was a genuine accident. Maybe they 
dropped a glass of grape juice on your rug that you just bought, and you've been holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, go ahead and release them. Exonerate that person. But then there are more serious times that exoneration is applicable to our lives. And for some, of, some people have experienced great loss due to an accident. There's been times when an accident has occurred on the road and, and it was no one was at fault, but someone was killed. Their life was taken. And it may even be appropriate when someone is killed that you have to exonerate that person who was involved. It was a true accident. We exonerate a child or someone else who didn't fully understand the hurt that they were inflicting toward you. And someone that you may have loving feelings towards. Some of you were hurt as children by other children. I've heard so many stories in my years of ministry of people who were, who were abused by another child when they were a child. And it's time to recognize and realize that child didn't know what they were doing at that time. And maybe it's time to release, to extend to them full exoneration. We exonerate people when the person is truly sorry takes full responsibility for what they did, asks for forgiveness, and gives you the confidence that they will not knowingly repeat the bad action in the future. So you might want to write this down. Not only for you, but not, not only for the things that have been done to you, but when you've made a mistake in hurting other people. Ask yourself, have you first taken full responsibility? I don't mean I'm sorry if I hurt you. I don't mean that kind of apology where you say, I know that you feel hurt, but, and then fill in the blank for what they did. But have you taken full responsibility for what happened? Have you asked for forgiveness and have you given confidence that you will not knowingly repeat that same bad action in the future? Seek exoneration. In all situations, it's essential to accept their apology and offer them the complete forgiveness and exoneration. You'll feel better, and so will the person who hurt you. In fact, if you cannot extend forgiveness in these situations, it may very well be a sign to you that there is an issue in your own life, that there has been a root of bitterness that has formed and is preventing you from being able to release that person into full exoneration. The second type of forgiveness is forbearance. Forbearance is given to people when they make a partial apology. When somebody may mingle their apology with blame towards you, that you have somehow caused them to react in this way. We may put it in our culture like this. Maybe the apology re you received wasn't fully authentic. It always reflects whether you played a part in provoking that person. When you receive that you may feel like an inauthentic apology. You, we need to stop and ask ourselves, have I played a part in this? And have some self-reflection. Is there some areas in this situation that I need to take responsibility for? Even though I feel hurt and wounded, do I need to take some form of responsibility? But even when you bear no responsibility for their action, forgive anyways. You extend forbearance if the relationship is important to you. So often we extend forbearance to people like our parents, our siblings, 
coworkers, our friends. Some of you may have complicated relationships with parents who have hurt you, who have wounded you, who've done some serious things to you, and they've come to you and asked for your forgiveness, but they've mingled it with some accusation that you carry some fault. They've come to you with an inauthentic forgiveness, and you have wrestled with how you are able to extend forgiveness to this person, but you can give them forbearance. You can release them from bitterness. You cease dwelling on the particular offense. You do away with grudges, do away with fantasies of revenge. We all know we've all walked in unforgiveness. I can't imagine that there's one person in this room that has never walked with unforgiveness. And anybody ever been in the shower and gotten into a fake argument? Yeah, I knew I'd get a response. You've been in the shower and you're like, let me tell you something. Your wife was like, is everything okay? Fine. Nothing, nothing going on in here. And you're just having this argument. You're having it out. You're letting them know about themselves. You're telling them. And, you, and then you, they probably will respond like this. And then I'll say this. These are fantasies in our mind, grudges and fantasies. And some of us lay in bed at night and think about how we can get back with them, right? Get back at them. Just fantasies of revenge, and we're filled with anger, and that anger and those fantasies and those rehearsing of our pain and our hurt, all it does is breed bitterness, and bitterness is a cancer that will never stop growing in your life. It must be removed. Sometimes with forbearance, we can forgive them. But we retain a degree of watchfulness. In other words, we are cautious around that person. You're able to maintain ties with these people. While far from perfect, they are still important to you. And in some cases, after a sufficient period of time, and they have rebuilt trust with you, you are able to take that exoneration into a place of full forbearance or the restoring of the relationship fully to the place that it was before the offense occurred. So sometimes we have to be careful, and we are watchful with some people because of their actions, but we still extend to them forgiveness. But what about when you are facing a situation where there is no acknowledgement of wrongdoing? What about when you're facing a scenario where there is no sincere apology there is no attempt to repair this relationship whatsoever. And some of those examples might be an adult survivor of child abuse. Maybe you were abused by a relative, abused by a stranger, abused by someone who has never acknowledged the pain and the hurt that they did to you. And you've been instructed to sweep it under the rug and to forget about it. Or maybe somebody instructed you to forgive them fully, to release them completely, and to restore relationship with that person. You say, I simply can't do that. Maybe for some of you it's a business dealing and you were cheated by your business partner. They lied on you. They cheated. They stole money from you. They stole opportunities from you. And they have never acknowledged their bad behavior and asked for forgiveness. Maybe it's a friend or relatives who have betrayed each other. Even still, forgiveness is necessary. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came up to him saying, again we see this scripture, How often must I forgive? Jesus says over 
and over and over. So how do we forgive somebody who isn't even sorry? How do we forgive somebody who makes no effort to try to repair the relationship? How do we let go of a pain that they refuse to even acknowledge they have inflicted upon us? This can be the most difficult form of forgiveness, but it is easy in the presence of the Lord. We release that person. The third type of forgiveness is release. Release does not exonerate the offender. It does not require forbearance. It does not require that you continue with this unhealthy relationship. It does require that instead of allowing it to continue to define your life, instead of continuing to define your life in terms of the hurt done to you, you release your bad feelings. You release your preoccupation with the negative things that have happened to you. You decide, I'm no longer going to allow this abuse and this pain to define my life. Release allows you to let go of the burden, the silent tax that is weighing you down. That silent tax that is eating away at your chance of happiness. And if you don't release this person, you are allowing them to continue to live rent-free in your mind. You're allowing them to continue to hurt you over and over and over again. But for some of us, we have this idea that if I hold on to my unforgiveness to these people that have so deeply hurt me, that unforgiveness will somehow protect me from future pain. Holding on to unforgiveness will not protect you from future hurt. It is a lie of the enemy. Some of us have wrapped ourselves in what we think is a protective cocoon of bitterness. This unforgiveness prevents that person from reinflicting pain in my life. Another lie of the enemy on the opposite end of this spectrum, but it's the same spirit, says that boundaries are an obstacle to forgiveness. You can have healthy boundaries and still walk in forgiveness. Don't believe the lie that you have to remove all boundaries from people in order to walk in forgiveness. For some of you, you have difficult and complicated relationships, even with dear people in your lives. Some of you, it's your family, your parents. The Bible tells us, it's one of the Ten Commandments, that we must honor our mother and father. There's so much to that commandment that I'll I'll get into in later weeks, but the Bible teaches us that we have to honor them. Some of you find it very difficult because your mother and father have inflicted tremendous pain in your life, and they refuse to to even ask for forgiveness, to acknowledge the pain that they've caused, to attempt to repair that relationship And yet we still have to extend forgiveness to them. But we can honor someone and we can extend forgiveness to someone while maintaining healthy boundaries with those people. There is great healing through forgiveness. Worship team, if you would, step up and begin to play behind me. There is is healing that happens through forgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness is 
a root in our lives that extends to every area. Bitterness is like a cancer. It is never siloed into one area of our lives, but it spreads throughout every part of us. It will continue to spread and eat away at who we are. And often bitterness and unforgiveness can manifest in ourselves as sickness and a lack of health in our physical bodies. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do, everything you do flows from it. And when you forgive, you look like Jesus. As a matter of fact, we are never more like Jesus than when we are forgiving others. The place that you stop forgiving other people is the place that you stop spiritually growing. And I want us this morning to receive the revelation of mercy. The mercy means undeserved kindness. If we only had to extend forgiveness to people who deserved it, we would never walk in mercy. In James chapter 2, verse 13, it says, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. If you have extended forgiveness and mercy to people who do not deserve it, people who have continuously and repeatedly hurt you, they have re-offended you over and over again. Some of them have refused to even ask you to forgive them. They have refused to acknowledge your hurt and pain, but we extend mercy to them even when they don't deserve it. You see, doubt and unforgiveness and pride resists the healing of the Lord. Doubt and unforgiveness and pride is like a barrier to all that God wants to do in our lives. Some of us feel like in our spiritual lives, we have gotten to this point and we can't seem to go any further. If you would play behind me. We can't seem to go any further. We can't seem to press past this barrier in our lives. I want to submit to you this morning that barrier may be the place that you've been unable to extend forgiveness. If everybody would just close your eyes, no looking around. I'm going to ask you this morning to just search your heart. Just posture your heart to receive. Search your heart this morning. Say, Jesus, would you show me where I have refused to extend forgiveness? Would you show me who I need to fully exonerate? Show me who I've been guarded against that you want me to let my guard down, that you want me to restore that relationship to its full and rightful place. Would you reveal that to me, God? Lord Jesus, would you show me who I need to release? Who is that person that maybe they don't fully acknowledge what they've done to me? Maybe I know that their request for forgiveness, their apology is inauthentic, it's shallow, but God, I re I've released them anyways. God, I extend to them forbearance anyways. I say, 
even though they may not deserve it and even though they've been authentic, inauthentic to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive them. I, I'm gonna have healthy boundaries, but I'm still gonna forgive them. And then for others, it's that place that you're even afraid to look. It's that place in your spirit when the Holy Spirit begins to get close to that area in your daily encounters, you, you close that door. You say, no, Holy Spirit, this is too painful. I can't go there. I, I can't be reminded of what that man did to me. I, I can't be reminded about what my mother said to me. And I can't even go to that place of how I felt when my business partner drove my family to the place of bankruptcy. That spouse that I used to be married to that abused me and broke my trust and hurt my children, I can't go to that place, I can't. My bitterness, my unforgiveness is protecting me from future pain and hurt. Go there this morning, not alone, but hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is easy in his presence. The presence of the Lord is here this morning. So God, even those places, even molestation, even rape, even abuse, lies, theft, gossip, betrayal, even those people that have gloated to others, about your pain even those God I release them I release them come on some of you just need to say their name out loud you just need to say the name of those that you forgive I forgive this person this morning I release them to you God I give up my right to seek revenge I give up my right to seek punishment. Give up my right to hold on to bitterness and anger and frustration. And God, I release them to you. to begin to pray in our heavenly language we're not prophesying in tongues we're praying in our heavenly language come on open up your mouth extend forgiveness this morning god would you reveal the places of bitterness in our hearts holy spirit would you shine a light god on every dark corner of our hearts that we have held on to bitterness this morning
come to this altar this morning make a physical representation of that that you are laying down today a heavy burden that you say I refuse to continue to carry it that church that hurt me I forgive them that pastor that hurt me I forgive them that cultural pain that I'm carrying I release it this morning that family member that hurt me I forgive them the one that lied on me I forgive them the one that betrayed me I forgive them the one from my childhood I release it and I forgive them this morning and what I saw in my spirit as I was praying today in my daily encounter I saw a vision of people being delivered from the spirit of bitterness and as you were delivered God released physical healing in your life so God we just speak it today let physical healing rain down on us this morning God I pray that you would heal backs and muscles and nerves and bones I pray that you would heal from viruses and bacteria from sickness from disease I pray that you would heal chronic illness and headaches and pains and God I pray that you would release and heal us as you deliver us this morning in the name of Jesus prayer team if you would come down You 
lifted in this place. God, we give it to you. We give you the weight. We give you the burden. We give you the chains of unforgiveness. God, we give it to you. Lord, we lay it down even when we feel like it's impossible. Lord, we lay it down at your throne. We lay it down at your feet. God, we release it and I declare this morning that we will not walk into the Christmas holiday with unforgiveness. I declare that when you walk into that Christmas dinner, that person that used to make your heart beat fast, that individual that you used to feel anxiety when you saw them, you used to dread even looking at them, you used to feel fear driving to your family function, that would be released in the name of Jesus. No longer, no longer, no longer, no longer will you fear them. No longer will you fear them. No longer will you fear forgiveness. No longer will you fear forgiveness. No longer will you fear forgiveness. I saw as we laid down our false protection of unforgiveness, God wrapping us in the full protection of righteousness, the protection of the Holy Spirit. And I saw the Lord making you unable to be offended, that you would walk into spaces, your heart filled with mercy to a place that those people that even try to hurt you and offend you, they wouldn't be able to do it. That offense just slides right off of you. So Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the power of forgiveness. Ah. I thank you, Jesus. joy rising up in the room this morning as we begin to close I feel the spirit of joy just as the weight of bitterness and unforgiveness is lifted off of you God we rejoice we rejoice that the offense and pain of the past no longer has a hold on us we rejoice that those lies of the past no longer have authority in our lives we rejoice that those things that used to hurt us no longer hurt us. We rejoice.